What's up, you Larrys? It's Monty. In this episode, El Greco and I are going to take on the Aziz Ansari scandal that appeared. Uh, it'll be a few weeks back by the time you hear this. But uh, we're going to give you our take on that. It's kind of a two-parter. In the next episode, we're going to take on a, a fiction story that appeared in The New Yorker around the same time called Cat Person, related, both having to do with uh, eh, the timely issues that have been raised by the Me Too movement. Anyway, uh, if you like what we're doing, go to our website. That's UncleMonty.net. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at UncleMontyPod. That's our uh, our handle on Twitter and Facebook. And uh, as of this week, we are available on Laughable. That's uh, the Laughable app available on iTunes and at Laughable.com. It's uh, an app that you can use on your smartphone to find all your favorite comedians and favorite comedy podcasts, including Uncle Monty's Variety Show. And if you're really hardcore and you love what we're doing, hey, why not go to Patreon, patreon.com slash Uncle Monty, and uh, become a patron of the show for just a buck per episode. You can send us any question you want, and we will uh, read, answer it, and uh, discuss it, and uh, cogitate upon it on the show. Uh, if you can f- spare a few more shekels, two fifty per episode, then you get VIP access. You're vipped. We vip you on UncleMonty.net. You get access to all of our bonus content, whatever kind of shit we throw up there. It's yours. And for that that special rarefied Uncle Monty listener who wants to be generous and give us five bucks per per episode, you will get to be a guest on the show. That's right. You will get to be on the show riffing with me and El Greco. Think about it. All right. Here we go. Hit it, Joe. You all know my Uncle Monty, don't you? Monty the magnificent at your service. Joe, it's Monty. Oh, how you want? You coming to see Uncle Monty's big benefit show? You know, a long time ago, being crazy meant something. Nowadays, everybody's crazy. What do you got for me today? Why don't we start about talking about the Me Too movement? Well, you know, uh, it's getting a little old. A lot of people have talked about it, so I hope you got something new for me. Hit me. All right. What Me Too really should be about is if a guy is such a cunt, he would deny a woman a job if she wouldn't give him sexual favors. Doesn't it kind of come down to an incredible abuse of power or truly rape, right? I thought the Me Too movement was about women saying, Me Too, I have been sexually harassed or sexually assaulted, and Me Too, I have not been able to speak openly about it for fear of reprisal. Oh, I wasn't listening. Yeah. Okay, moving on. That's part of the Me Too movement about guys not listening. The Me Too movement is women want to be listened to. And, and you know, quite frankly, I, I just didn't get that. I didn't hear that <laughs> message. You know, a big part of the movement is we want to be listened. And I. You just weren't listening. I just weren't. I wasn't listening. All right. Why don't we talk about the Aziz Asaria story? All right. I think we're going to kick it off here with a reading series from uh, Aziz, the Aziz Ansari episode, which was all kicked off by this story on Babe.net, which I had never heard of before. But, uh, okay, this uh, person calling herself, uh, I don't know, Grace, wrote this. So here we go. 
She approached him because she recognized his camera flash. Aziz Ansari was taking pictures at the 2017 Emmy Award after party with a film camera, not a digital one. Quote, I stood up and I'm like tipsy at this point and feeling really confident. I'm in a gown and I walked up to Aziz and said, what did you just shoot with? Grace is a 23-year-old Brooklyn-based photographer, then age 22. We are not using her real name to protect her identity because she is not a public figure. She says Ansari brushed her off at first, but after he realized they both brought the same kind of camera to the event, an old model from the 80s, he was impressed. They flirted a little. He took two pictures of her, blah, blah, blah. They ran into each other one last time right as Grace was leaving. At Ansari's suggestion, she put her number in his phone. When her plane landed back in New York City the next day, she already had a message from him. They exchanged flirtatious banter over text for a week or so before he asked her to go out with him on Monday, September 25th. The date didn't go as planned. The night would end with Grace in an Uber home, in tears, messaging her friends about how Ansari behaved. Babe spoke to the first friends she told about it and reviewed the messages on her phone. The day after the incident, she wrote a long text to Ansari saying, I just want to take this moment to make you aware of your behavior and how uneasy it made me. To that message, Ansari responds, Clearly I misread things in the moment, and I'm truly sorry. We spoke to Grace last week when we met Ansari had just won Best Actor for his Netflix show Master of None at the, Glo- at the Golden Globes, where he declared his support for the fight against sexual assault and harassment by wearing a Time's Up pin on the red carpet. Uh, blah, blah, blah. After arriving at his impart- apartment in Manhattan on Monday evening, they exchanged small talk and drank wine. It was white, she said. I didn't get to choose, and I prefer red, but it was white wine. Then... Ansari walked her to Grand Banks, an oyster bar, on board a historic wooden schooner on the Hudson River just a few blocks away. What do you, what do you think about the wine? Well, I mean, if a woman likes red wine, she should have spoken up and demanded she gets red wine. Did So almost it almost seems like misunderstandings were uh, started from the word go, right? It does. and It almost sounds like it was a harbinger of things to come, right? She wants red. He orders white. It's up to her to say something. So it seems like there was miscommunication from the word go. Something, if you're miscommunicating about what you want for wine, then, you know, it's not unconscionable to think that things are going to get misunderstood with something as delicate as sex. Okay, moving along. She said it was a beautiful, warm September night. They discussed NYU, comedy, and a new secret project he was working on, but she says she did most of the talking. Grace says she sensed Ansari was eager for them to leave. Quote, when the waiter came over, he quickly asked for the check, and he said, like, let's get off this boat. She recalls there was still wine in her glass and more left in the bottle. The abruptness surprised her. Like, he got the check, and then it was bada-boom, bada-bing, we're out of here. They walked the two blocks back to his apartment building, an exclusive address on Tribeca's Franklin Street, where Taylor Swift has a place, too. When they walked back in, she complimented his marble countertops. According to Grace, Ansari turned the compliment into an invitation. Quote, he said something along the lines of, how about you hop up and take a seat? Within moments, he was kissing her. In a second, his hand was on my breast, she said. Then he was undressing her. Then he undressed himself. She remembers feeling uncomfortable at how quickly things escalated. When Ansari told her he was going to grab a condom within minutes of their first kiss, Grace voiced her hesitation explicitly. 
quote, I said something like, whoa, let's relax for a sec, let's chill. She says he then resumed kissing her, briefly performed oral sex on her, and asked her to do the same thing to him. She did, but not for long. Quote, it was really quick. Everything was pretty much touched and done within 10 minutes of hooking up, except for actual sex. She says Ansari began making a move on her that he repeated during their encounter. The move he kept doing was taking his two fingers in a V-shape and putting them in my mouth, in my throat, to wet his fingers, because the moment he'd stick his fingers in my throat, he'd go straight for my vagina and try to finger me. Grace called the move the claw. I haven't heard of that one. Have you ever done the claw? I haven't done the claw. That that does seem to be an unorthodox move. It's an advanced move. Yeah, it it, it is advanced, and... uh, Hey, he comes from a culture that invented the Karma Sutra, so this guy must know what he's doing. Well, uh, you know, going down there, down the throat, is, uh, you know, aggressive. It's aggressive. And he didn't ask permission, but he's in the heat of the moment. And uh, she didn't say, don't do that, as far as I know. Right. It's a little unusual. The claw. So the claw is an odd move. And I mean, compounding things or people are enigmatic in their sexual practices to begin with, right? True, yeah. Look it, you could meet an accountant that really is is into having her ass eaten. Yeah. Right. People are enigmatic in their sexual practices. Who knows what people are going to be into? Right. No matter how they appear to you outside the bedroom, in the bedroom, they could have interests that could surpass your expectations. Stuff you've never heard of. And things that you run out, you could, they could say, do anything to me and suck the snot out of my nose. And, and after a while, you just might be exhausted by running out of the options. And, but are you open to learning? Do you want to learn the claw? All right, the claw doesn't seem to be a move. That wouldn't be my go-to move. Ansari also physically pulled her hand towards his penis multiple times throughout the night from the time he first kissed her on the countertop onward. Quote, he probably moved my hand to his dick five to seven times, she said. He really kept doing it after I moved it away. What do you make of that? I uh, Look, I, I have done that. I've taken a woman's hand and put it, you know, to my dick, like... To show her what I want. If she pulls it away and she doesn't want to do it, I stop. But, you know, if she sees that that's what I want and she goes for it, hey, that's fine. I right? think, yeah, I think you can go ahead, pull her hand to your cock. But if she pulls it away, then, you know, you kind of let it rest. See how the rest of the evening plays out. But I think one, it's like one one per customer. Yeah, I yeah. One shot. Okay, throughout the course of her short time in the apartment, she says she used verbal and nonverbal cues to indicate how uncomfortable and distressed she was. Now, I mean, what the fuck does that mean? Verbal and nonverbal cues. Did, did you explicitly tell him, don't do that? I don't like this? I mean, all right, let's read on. Quote, most of my discomfort was expressed in me pulling away and mumbling. I know that my hands stopped moving at some points, she said. I stopped moving my lips and turned cold. Whether Ansari didn't notice Grace's reticence or knowingly ignored it is impossible for her to say. Quote, I know I was physically giving off cues that I wasn't interested. I don't think he, I don't think that was noticed at all, or if it was, it was ignored. Okay. 
How does she know that she was physically giving off cues that she wasn't interested? She was intending to physically give off cues that she wasn't interested. How does she know that these cues would have been perceptible and interpreted in the way that she was intending? Yeah, I mean, she's like a type of woman who's kind of expecting that Aziza Saria can hear like the whistle that only a dog can hear. You know, it's it all seems to start from like him ordering a white wine for a woman who wants red wine, but she wasn't able to communicate that to him. It's a harbinger of things to come. I think it's very telling. Here's what I think. Are we ready to jump into some like high level discussion about how to avoid sexual miscommunication? Sure. Yeah. Here's something. Here's my pearl of wisdom. With a woman, things are kind of like clothes are starting to come off a little. You know, you're starting to, as my parents would say, pet a little bit. (laughs) You know, maybe you make a play for the breast. You know, you put her hand on your dick. You know, you try to take the panties off. At some point, I think it's important to say, how are you doing? Uh-huh. That's, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Or, or are you okay? And that's right. something I always do. And you can make it, guys, part of the foreplay. Actually, it enhances the foreplay by just going, how are you doing? You know? Are you doing okay? And it always works. And right then and there, if there's any miscommunication, it comes out, right? You ask, mm-hmm. how are you doing? And, well, okay. And, and, and one, in mm-hmm. like makes the woman feel like she's a participant, even though she already may be. You just want to make sure there's no misunderstanding. It gives her a chance to simply say, I'm not ready. And if she says that, you're like, okay, no problem. Mm -hmm. How are you doing? I sometimes ask, do you like that? Right. Now, you know, that could be interpreted as uh, insecurity, and it could be a turnoff. To, to your partner if uh, she says that, if you say that? Is, that, is that possible? Here, here's the thing. I actually joked with this, with this young woman I uh, was dating for a while. One time I flipped her over from missionary to doggy, but I kind of did that very in a very abrupt motion. Mm-hmm. You know, it was kind of like a one-armed flip. And she was like, hey, you're being rude. Oh. And so I go, I go, she, and, and then she kind of imitated my move with a knowing sense of humor. Yeah. And I go, you're right. I'll be more like kind of tender when right. I flip you over in the future. She goes, I like it. Just, you know. Uh, yeah. You're, you're, it, you're feeling each other's preferences out. Right. And I said, I go, you have to forgive me. But you have to imagine the other end of the spectrum would be, do you mind if <laughs> I turn you over? Would that be okay? And she goes, oh, God, I'd hate that. So you have to balance it. You can't go, oh, woogie, boogie, woogie, boogie. But you can't also go wringing your hands, not making eye t- contact, and nervously stuttering. Would it be okay if I go ahead and try this, please? Because that'll kill the movement. So I like the whispering seductive how are you doing it gives her a chance to respond i'm not comfortable okay so what if you use the 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 line how are you doing and she kind of feels like uh she's under pressure to say i'm doing fine you know because she wants to be a player she wants to play along she wants to seem like she's game and you know maybe she's feeling pressured and so she's saying, you know, I, I'm fine because she doesn't feel safe to say what she's really feeling, which is that she doesn't feel so fine. 
Well, look it. This is where I sound like a dick lawyer, right? But if you say, how are you doing? And you're demonstrative and you do it playfully and seductive, but it's quite clear you care about how she's doing. It's up to her to let you know if she's not comfortable. All right. And that's a great thing to say in the courtroom if it shit goes down. If some shit goes down, man, it's a big world. And if some shit goes down, you can say, I made an effort to ask how she's doing to avoid any confusion. Right. Well, I think this is relevant to what happens further on in the story. So let's keep going. Ansari wanted to have sex. She said she remembers him asking again and again, where do you want me to fuck you? That doesn't work quite as well as how you doing, does it? Well, it could be that Aziz Asari is a bad lay. You're absolutely right. And it sounds it sounds like a lot of this is credible. Would you say it's credible? I mean, it sounds credible enough. Um, the question is just the interpretation. Right, right. So it's credible what she's saying, and I, I sincerely believe she felt pressured but also it gets complicated when indeed it should be her responsibility to say i'm not comfortable with this at all i'm taking off and she should probably have thought about taking off as soon as aziz if indeed he said this where do you want me to fuck you you know (laughs) what i mean wouldn't you just like with a sigh of resignation go like look at um i know you're famous but i was expecting famous people to be a little more finesseful in the bedroom. Yeah. Well, you bring up his fame, and that's an issue that people have talked about a lot, is the power dynamic here. He's a guy in his 30s. She's in her early 20s. He's a celebrity. She's not. She is, I think, someone who's ambitious to make contacts in the entertainment world. There was a power imbalance here. Do you sense at all that... Aziz was exploiting that power imbalance at all. Well, it sounds like he wanted to fuck her. It doesn't sound like he was thinking of her in a long-term capacity. I mean, that dynamic seems very familiar to me, kind of like, uh-huh, uh-huh, let's get out of here. Like, uh-huh, no, 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 we don't have time for dessert. He's horny. His drive is is pumping. I just want to fuck. He wants to fuck. But is he using his... uh, power advantage to get what he wants well it doesn't matter as long as she doesn't feel coerced right I it mean, doesn't matter that he's using his power advantage i mean is it, it, it is it ethical for him to use his power advantage? well is it ethical for a woman to use her big fake tits to make a guy buy her shit or is it ethical for her to like seduce a guy no but d- is that what's happening here his fame seems to have seduced her to some degree. Certainly they were flirting with each other. Do She's you probably s- seduced to his fame. Isn't it? Isn't it? It's not unconscionable to me to use what sort of wily charms you have at your at your disposal to charm the other person with. Right. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I think to an extent, but if you mislead someone. If you are uh, deceptive. How is he misleading her? No, I'm asking about her. Oh. Okay. So there's two things going on here. Okay. One is he has power that she doesn't have because he is famous and older and more experienced. So he has something she wants. She 
has her youth and ex- uh, attractiveness, and that's something he wants. He wants uh, he's sexually attracted to her. She can use her allure and her sexual attraction to manipulate him. He can use his fame and power to manipulate her. Is there unethical manipulation going on on either side or both sides? Well, I'm glad you asked <laughs> because I think at its core essence, relationships are an exchange of gifts. If you know anything about psychology, that's what a relationship boils down to. All right. This seems very, very common. You know, that's why I think you have to offset these moments of confusion. She's young. She doesn't know what she wants. That's a big part of it, right? She's young. She doesn't know what she wants. She has a difficulty expressing that. Aziz is a famous guy. He assumes everyone is is interested in fucking him. So, like, a uh, confusion came about. But this is certainly seems to be something outside of the Me Too movement. Well, that's that's an interesting uh, discussion in itself. Let's, let's get through this well, a little well, farther. This story, it's an old story, right? It's only of interest because it's it's been packaged with the Me Too movement, and that's kind of why it's been a discussion. If the Me Too movement wasn't around, it wouldn't have probably had gotten the attention. People are kind of like lumping it in with the Me Too movement when, in fact, this is its own thing. This is just a shitty sex episode. All right, let's go on. And sorry, wanted to have sex. We've been through this, okay? She says she found the question tough to answer because she says she didn't want to fuck him at all. Quote, I wasn't really even thinking of that. I didn't want to be engaged in that with him. But he kept asking, so I said, next time. And he goes, oh, you mean second date? And I go, oh, yeah, sure. And he goes, well, if I poured you another glass of wine now, would it count as our second date? Smooth, huh? He then poured her a glass and handed it to her. She excused herself to the bathroom soon after. Grace says she spent around five minutes in the bathroom collecting herself in the mirror and splashing herself with water. Then she went back to Ansari. He asked her if she was okay. Quote, I said I don't want to feel forced because then I'll hate you and I'd rather not hate you, she said. She told Babe, that's this publication, Babe, that at first she was happy with how he reacted. Quote, he said, of of course, it's only fun if we're both having fun. The response was technically very sweet in acknowledging the fact that I was very uncomfortable. Verbally, in that moment, he acknowledged that I needed to take it slow. Then he said, let's just chill over here on the couch. This moment is particularly significant for Grace because she thought that would be the end of the sexual encounter. Her remark about not wanting to feel forced had added a verbal component to the cues she was trying to give him about her discomfort. When she sat down on the floor next to Ansari, who sat on the couch, she thought he might rub her back or play with her hair, something to calm her down. Ansari instructed her to turn around. He sat, oh, quote, he sat back and pointed to his penis and motioned for me to go down on him. And I did. I think I just felt really pressured. It was literally the most unexpected thing I thought would happen at that moment because I told him I was uncomfortable. Soon, he pulled her back up onto the couch. She would tell her friend via text later that night, quote, he made out with me again and says, doesn't look like you hate me. Halfway into the encounter, he led her from the couch to a different part of his apartment. He said he had to show her something. 
Then he brought her to a large mirror, bent her over, and asked her again, quote, Where do you want me to fuck you? Do you want me to fuck you right here? He rammed his penis against her ass while he said it, pantomiming intercourse. Quote, I just remember looking in the mirror and seeing him behind me. He was very much caught up in the moment, and I obviously very much wasn't, Grace said. Quote, he, after he bent me over is when I stood up and said, No, I don't think I'm ready to do this. I really don't think I'm going to do this. And he said, How about we just chill, but this time with our clothes on? They got dressed, sat side by side on the couch they'd already chilled on, and he turned on an episode of Seinfeld. She'd never seen it before. She said that's when the reality of what was going on sank in. Quote, it really hit me that I was violated. I felt really emotional all at once when we sat down there. That whole experience was actually horrible. So, so at did, this point, she's kind of started ruminating on what's happened up to this point. Did they fuck? Did they ever end no, up fucking? No, no, no. They never fucked because really? he asked her, you know, he's got her up against... You know, so so she's they bent never over. fuck. No, they never fuck. He's asking her, "Do you want me to fuck you like this?" And she, for the first time, I think, explicitly says, "No, I don't think I'm ready to do this." And he responds, "How about we just chill with our clothes on?" They go back to the couch, and now he's not pointing to his dick, and they're just watching Seinfeld. But while she's on the couch. She starts coming up with her own feelings and interpretation about what's happened, and it's at this point that she decides that she's been sexually assaulted. Yeah. Not in the moment, but afterward looking back. Now, that happens sometimes. You hear about people who have been sexually assaulted who don't realize in the moment that they have, but when it comes down to were you really sexually assaulted, it's a matter of what were the facts that that a, what actually happened to you in the moment while you were being touched or violated? I went out with this girl once, and um, she was a, very, very attractive. I I did I liked her, and on our second date we had a pretty good day. You know, I go, "What do you want to do on the second date?" And she goes, "I want you to cook dinner for me." So we go to the museum, and we came back to my house and cooked dinner, and we're just hanging out watching TV. And uh, we start making out a little bit. So I, at one point, I snap off the bra. I start very lo slowly and lovingly caressing her nipples with my warm, wet tongue. Because after all, Why I'm a great lover. And uh, so she starts going, ah, wow, like way too loud. You know, like, wow, wow. And uh, it's hard to interpret what that's about. And so we make our way into the bedroom. And she goes, uh she goes, uh, so I wasn't even thinking about sex, but she goes, she goes, put on a condom. Okay. So I'm like, oh, okay. I guess, I guess this is happening. And so we end up fucking and, uh, she stays the night. This is someone I ended up dating for like a year, but like a, the next day at work, um, or maybe a couple days later, I checked in with her how she's doing and I was using my work email to communicate with her because I had some like exciting things happen at work that I wanted to share with her, impress her, how good work was going. And she wrote this long email back on my work email instead of calling me going, you know, the other night I just wasn't ready to have sex. And so I just want you, you know, to know that I just quite wasn't ready to have sex, although I really like you. 
And I thought, my God, this is on my work email. You just <laughs> never, never know when your boss is going to like check in to see what you're up to as they have a right to do that. So she was a woman who didn't have a lot of common sense. And well, I mean, it kind of, so I know this sounds like well, I'm, it, I'm trying to trying to like justify the night, but literally there was no communication at all. Okay, but okay, you said justify the night. Is there anything that you feel needed justification? No, no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm. What I was about to do was suggest she was a person who had a history of not seeing things quite clearly. She got like kicked out of nursing school assistant nursing school and even like you know home care just because she just was not somebody who saw her world very clearly so she was often someone who kind of saw the world through kind of like broken binoculars okay what well, have you ever felt remorseful or regretful at after having slept with someone where in the moment when you slept with them you were consenting, you were willingly going along, and but afterward, looking back in hindsight, you you regretted it. You mean, did I feel forced? Yeah, you. Well, not no, I didn't ask if you felt forced. Did you feel regretful? Did you feel remorseful about having had sex with someone? Oh, guys feel this way all the time, you know, with like women who just kind of fill up the void. They have sex with a woman that, you know, they're like this. This is the dynamic. Oh, oh. Oh, oh, you got to go. I can't even believe I let you in my car. (laughs) You're such a pig. (laughs) Guys think this way all the time because they're awful. They're worthless pieces of goddamn shit. I had one guy, like that guy who was like really urbane, who lived in Japan. I don't know. Do you remember that guy? He used to go like, I can't handle the depression of having sex with someone I don't really care for. I go, I goes, I just can't do that. You know, here in the twilight of my years, I can't do it anymore. And so that's, every guy has felt that. Every woman's probably felt that. You know, they've felt remorseful because they had sex with someone that they don't really want to be friends with or don't want to spend time with, don't want to hang out with. Yeah. But as a man, after you've had sex with someone and regretted it, have you ever gone back and said, I wasn't really ready to have sex, I regret that we had sex, and I really resent that you pressured me into doing it, that you intimidated me physically into having sex with you. Have you ever have you ever taken your regret a step further and assigned responsibility to the woman for the two of you having consummated the act? No, but I'll I'll tell you one of the I'd say the most fucked one of the most fucked up stories in my life was when I was teaching dance. Um, there was one of my students who had just come back from college. And so she was a quirky 18-year-old who decided I was going to be her gay confidant, you know. And so she told me, like, all her tales. Her father had been somewhat abusive to her. And, like, the weekend before she was going to go back to college, I said, let me take you out for coffee nearby. And so, you know, just because we had gotten to know each other and I heard you know, some of her woeful tales. And so we went out for coffee and then I want to kind of get back. You know, I got to kind of get going on. And she's like, let's just walk a little bit more. So we walk a little bit more and she kind of wants to keep the evening going a little bit. And finally I'm like, all right, let's get back. And so we get back. I drive her back to the parking lot and she's in my car 
and she gives me a kiss, mm-hmm. you know, and there's like a lot of women I want to give me a kiss, but that wasn't one of them. Mm. And uh, so I'm like, wow, thanks a lot. And uh, I go, I, you know, like I got to get going and she won't let me out of my fucking car. And so then the dynamic turns really fucked up. I think I may have told you the story. So she kind of puts her arm like she's kind of hovering over me and she goes, man, that'd really be weird if my dad drove by right about now. Really fucked up, right? And so I'm like, oh, my God, this woman wants something and I don't know what she wants from me. And she probably senses it's all instinct. Like my female friends were telling me this. It was kind of like this really kind of instinctual thing. She kind of knew she had me on the ropes because I'm already, you know, it's tricky business being in the car of a guy who's like in his late 30s with a girl who's like 18, right? And so she's kind of exploiting this. And I'm like, holy shit, I never expected this to prevail. And she's like, yeah, wouldn't that be something? I'm like, all right, um, here, like I'm looking for things in my car to give her just so she'll get out. Oh, here's a CD. I think you'd really like this. And like, oh, here's a, here's like a deck of cards. Here we go. Oh, and here's like a, like a ball marker for the golf course so and she, a divot remover. Just, I'm just trying to get her out of the car. So, so she really uh, wanted to upset her dad because she was upset at her dad for some reason. Like she's trying to get back at her dad? Yeah, or... like she would have loved for her dad to have seen her with you and for that to have, like, shocked or upset him. Right. So there's no doubt about it. There's, like, the irony of the moment is she told me how much she hated her father. Mm-hmm. I mean, rageful hate. Yeah. And I said, well, I go, you'll have to check. You'll have to, like, check into that at some point because that's going to dictate the relationships you have with men in the future. And here's the irony of ironies. She goes where did you come up with that psycho babble? I'm like, well, it's true. And sure enough, what happens? So she writes a letter to the wife. She goes, I demand that he be fired. He kissed me and I demand he be fired. I demand it. You know, like I can't, I don't want to see him. And I demand it. Because you were an employee at the YMCA right. and, and she was a customer. Right, right. So I felt after that evening, I should have been more proactive. In hindsight, I should have been proactive and wrote the Y right away and said like, look it. This happened. This was a weird situation. I didn't know what to do. But once you left my car, I was just flipped out. I didn't know how to handle it. So she wrote me as well. She goes like, how could you have kissed me? So she flips it around, right? And uh, But my, all my female friends, especially my Chinese female friends, are like, she's just angry she didn't get what she wanted. You know what I mean? So everyone had an interesting interpretation mm. of it. But I think she's like, how could you do it? Like, oh, my God. You know, I thought you were gay. And so it was all all this rageful emotion. I go, hey, sorry for the misunderstanding. Have a great year at school. <laughs> and then I wrote her back. I go, you've got some fucking nerve. I go, like, I took you out because this happened to you. And you're going to somehow suggest I was inappropriate? You're inappropriate. Mm. I don't appreciate this at all. So mm. um, then she kept instant messaging me, instant messaging me. Like she wanted to like, it was like a sting operation, you know, like she's like, what was she saying? She's like, why did you kiss me? Can you just like go ahead and write back? Why did you kiss me? Why did you kiss me? Like, you know, like almost like somebody told her to do this. Like it was like she was hoping to get a weird confession. I'm like, Mm. look, I'm busy right now. Let's talk later. Like, Jesus Christ. So that weekend when I taught that, you know, like I had to meet with the wine. I just told them, I go like, look, this is what happened. I got a kiss. And she goes, 
And I don't think I told him this. I think this is really meaningful. And years later, I hired a lawyer. I go, just for my sense of well-being, I would like to do, guess what I wanted to do? I wanted to do a deposition. Oh. You know, I really wanted to do that just to kind of like teach her a lesson. And kind of I thought that'd be, you know, I think I'd get like a real jolly out of that. You know, I, I was so livid. My I was so livid with the situation. And so they go, well, she's going to call the police and she she's going to file a police report. It was none of this made sense. It's all the sort of mind of somebody who has some rage from abuse. Mm. But you're in your late 30s. She's 18. It doesn't do you any favors kind of. You know, um, trying to discredit an 18 year old, the whole dynamic, you're almost guilty by being in a car with an 18 year old. Right. It's kind of fucked. Right. So, so that was a situation uh, that I loathed. That's, you know, that's a really interesting story and really relevant. To and this. It, and it, it went on my permanent record, right? You know, mm-hmm. and I felt at the time, if I was more litigious, I go, you know what, you guys, don't worry about it. I think the the Y just wanted it to go away, right? That's all they well, cared of about, course. of course, right? But I really felt like, you know what, it'd be worth a couple grand to, like, you know, do a deposition. You could sue her for defamation if you really wanted to. I mean, you know, why do that? But you, right, pro- you probably right. but, but, but a deposition would be great to have on videotape. Like, ah, uh-huh, so what happened at the end of the evening? You know, it would, just, it would be a jolly because the whole thing is flipped, right? All of a sudden when... It's clear she won't let me get out of my own car. She won't get out of my car. What victim won't let the perpetrator get out of their own fucking car, right? Yeah. So I thought. Well, Although there was no, there was, no one else was there, so it would always come down to just your word against hers. Right. Well, that's that's interesting. Let's let's see how things progress here with Grace and Aziz. Uh, while the TV played in the background, he kissed her again, stuck his fingers down her throat again. The old claw. And move. That is his go-to move, the claw. He, he needs to switch it up a little bit. He He's should doing, have put two fingers in her ass. Or he should have done so, the shocker or something. Right. I mean, just right. mix I it mean, up. What, it's clear he's a... Uh, Come on, guy. You're in your 30s. Get yeah, some game. Get some Get some, get some moves. Right. He, okay, and he moved to undo her pants. She turned away. She remembers feeling in a different mindset at that point. Now, so at this point, she's told him tw- she's told him explicitly that she's not interested, and twice he's tried to do the let's let's chill on the couch thing, right. and then starts you know trying to make some moves. Yeah, I mean, at some point, don't you aren't you kind of embarrassed with your own behavior? He's and you know this is the thing is that men are often told, you know, be persistent in your pursuit of a woman. If you if you stop uh, pursuing her. Uh, you're not going to get, you know, you're never going to get anywhere. You got to read the room though, right? At this point, I think it's probably fair to say that he's not reading, he's not reading the signals. He's not reading the room. At this point, she's been much more explicit than she had been earlier. Right. I've had women say this to me, like I'm going to take off their bra and, uh, and they go, stop, stop. And I go, okay. Mm -hmm. And then we'll make out and she's like, what are you doing? I go, he told me to stop. I go, no, I, I just said that, you know, because I want oh you to do it more. Oh, God. Right. That's the worst. Well, it's not the worst. It's actually kind of like a lot of cultures are that way. Like my friend Tom, who I had that company with, told me the same thing about his wife. He goes, when I was first going out with my Irish wife, she'd be like, stop, stop. And then you go, okay. And she'd be like, what the hell are you doing? 
you know, no means yes. I, you know, right. that, 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 that can get you thrown in prison. Right, you know? right. Well, th- I had a story. My friend Michael, Mike C., in college was with a woman. I remember this all the way. This was like years ago, back in the day. And he told me this because it was touch and go after it happened was he was with a girl he was dating and they were in his bed. And like the clothes were coming off, you know, both of their clothes were coming off. And it, and so they're making out and they're both naked. And she says to him, love me, you know, kind of um, in sort of like uh, almost kind of like the way he was communicating was it was kind of like maudlin, but maudlin and not clear. Right. It, mm-hmm. it, she goes, love me. And so he thought that meant let's have sex. And what she was trying to say was, let's not have sex. Just love me. <laughs> and so it was confused. So they had sex. Then afterwards, she was upset because she thought she had made it clear that love me didn't mean having sex. What do you yeah. think of that? Well, I think it's very unclear. Those those words can, you know, right. love me can mean make love to me or yeah. it can mean uh, whatever she thought it meant. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you got to listen to uh, the rest of Aziz's story. After that last kiss, Grace stood up from the couch she remembers saying, quote, you guys are all the same, you guys are all the fucking same. And sorry, asked her what she meant. When she turned to answer, she says he met her with gross, forceful kisses. After that last kiss, Grace stood up from the couch, moved back to the kitchen island where she left the phone and said she would call herself a car. He hugged her and kissed her goodbye, another aggressive kiss. When she pulled away and sorry finally relented and insisted he'd call her the car. She says, quote, I cried the whole ride home. At that point, I felt violated. That last hour was so out of my hands. Well, I have, well, I have a couple other thoughts on this. About, uh, about go ahead. A couple times I've been with women, and it's been hot. And during the course of us fucking, twice, more than twice this has happened, a woman has said to me, come inside me. And so, like, you're crazy, right? You lose your mind when you're having sex. They're like, ah, your eyes are rolling to the back of the head. You know, you turn into a minotaur. And so I'd come inside them. I'm like, wow, that's what they wanted. You know, not even thinking about the repercussions. And they're like, what the hell are you doing? I go, you told me to come inside you. And they're like, I just was saying that to turn you on. Oh, my God. Right? Now, that's a whole other issue is the whole women who have a, an underlying desire to be impregnated or all of the, the power dynamic that changes when you come inside them. And now there's a chance that they might be pregnant. It's a way sometimes of keeping the man connected to them. I mean, there could be a hundred things going on there. Let me ask you about this. Uh, Ashley Banfield, you know who Ashley Banfield is? No, is she a pitcher for the Dodgers? Ashley Banfield is a television journalist who is in her, I want to say like 50s. She's been active in the, not the Me Too movement, but the one that came, the hashtag that came after that. What was it called? Me 2.0 movement? Me Me 2.0, exactly. Me 3? Me 3. Right. Uh, No, I think it's Time's Up. So... She wrote a response to this article and said that she thinks that this Grace woman is doing a disservice to the Time's Up slash Me Too movement. 
because her – Ashley Banfield's argument is that this incident with Aziz Ansari doesn't rise to the level – of the kind of things that women have been talking about with me too. Fuck, you know? I agree with her fucking completely. And this Grace young woman responded to Ashley Banfield and made personal attacks at Ashley Banfield, saying she's old and no one over the under the age of forty listens to her. Made personal made made isn't com- that telling? Made comments about Ashley Banfield's appearance. Right. You know, uh, said something about her hair, you know, bitchy, catty comments. Um, mm. And really kind of undermined her own authority in this whole situation. Right. Isn't that very telling? I'll give you an example. I was in the unemployment office the other day and three people in a row come in. And like this one woman, like her hair was a mess. She said she was a substitute teacher and she's like, and you're fucking me out of my money. You're fucking me out of my money. I'm going to walk out of here. I'm going to walk out of this fucking office and I'm going to come back and you don't know what I'm going to have. And, and so then right after that, another guy comes in and goes like, what the fuck is going on? I go, I've asked for my fucking money. I'm waiting for my fucking money. And you're going to tell me I ain't got no fucking money. You know, I'm unemployed. And like, because I was very gracious, gracious with the two like codgers that worked at the front desk. You know, I was kind of joking with them a little bit. They're like, buddy, there's been 12 just like them today. And they're like, there's a reason why she's not working. And she's the reason, you know, there's a reason why they're not working. And they're the reason. And it's true. You could just imagine how unemployable these people are because their attitude is so bad. Yeah. Right. I mean, they're their own problem. Yeah. And so the same kind of thing with this grace you're saying. Yeah, with 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 grace. I mean, she basically is telling you who she is by, you know, her, her own sincere description of the events. Oh, she goes, I want red wine, not white wine. Then tell him. Yeah. That's your responsibility. Yeah. Right. All right. That's the show for this week. Hope you liked it. As always, go to UncleMonty.net to subscribe to the show. And if you're up for it, also go to Twitter and Facebook. Follow us at Uncle Monty Pod. Remember to check out Laughable.com. Show's available there. And uh, think about going to Patreon.com slash Uncle Monty and becoming a patron. Look, do you think I like begging for charity like a bum? Oh, dear God, I'm so desperate. Anything helps. Even a smile.